Our second reading this morning comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 13 to 22. Let us listen again for God's word to us today. Moses said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your ways, so that I may know you and find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. The Lord said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, If your presence will not go, do not carry us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, unless you go with us? In this way we shall be distinct, I and your people, from every people on the face of the earth. The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, show me your glory, I pray. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and proclaim before you the name the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, they said, you cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued, See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This past week, I spent a few days in Fort Worth, Texas, meeting with a group of about 30 pastors, serving in congregations and denomination in a variety of contexts around the country. The invitation for this meeting was specifically to ministers, to Generation X and Millennial Age pastors, who had been identified by the organizing institution as innovators in our field, or so said the email. How do you get 30 pastors to step away from their congregation in the midst of a busy fall? You flatter them. What was noticeable as I showed up at that gathering, though not surprising, was the spirit in which people showed up. While hope and gratitude were in abundance on Friday, on Wednesday, when we showed up, the words on the lips of many were of exhaustion, anxiety, weariness, frustration, and wariness. It has been an extraordinarily difficult 
few weeks in our world. And to say that is an understatement. It has been an extraordinarily challenging few years. Not only, of course, for the pastors who have gathered there, but for all of us, for you and for me, for our community and our neighbors, for our city and our nation and our world, for religious leaders and mental health professionals, for educators and health practitioners, for students and hourly workers and public service workers. The list goes on in every permutation. We have all been through the ringer, some at times more severely than others. And even in the spaces and among the people we might count on to hold certain hope through it all, the wear is showing. Even among those whose vocation it is to point to where God is at work, sometimes even we lose track. When the horrors from Israel and Gaza come at a quick clip, when the prayers for swift peace in Ukraine have become a nearly two-year litany, when you whom we love and serve face struggles and griefs and hardships that push you to limits beyond what you could expect, sometimes, Even those who seem to have a direct line to the divine, the most assurance to give, sometimes even we need to pause and to speak our minds to God. Are you still with us? If so, will you show yourself, please? Moses and God had come a long way together since that first revelation in the burning bush when Moses almost missed it. By the time we meet them this morning in the Exodus story, the land that was first promised is nearly on the horizon. They'd made it through plagues, advancing armies, and waters parting. They'd gone from dancing on the far side of enslavement to the sustenance of manna in the wilderness, and then most recently to God, realizing that while Moses was receiving the commandments on top of Mount Sinai, the people down below were demanding Aaron fashion idol for them to worship. They'd been up and down together, God and Moses, God and these people, though mostly this was the long, slow work of God showing Moses that Moses had the capacity and that God was trustworthy. Each in turn along the way teaching each other just a little bit more about who they were and what they were capable of in this covenantal relationship. But this time... It's Moses working on God. The idol worship had been too much. The people's impatience had tested the very limits of God's own patience with them. And so God refused to be the one to see the people into that land that was promised to them. Yes, they could go. Yes, Moses would lead them. Yes, God would even send an angel before them, but God would not go with them. 
the divine anger still burned so hotly with hurt and anger at the betrayal that God was sure it would consume the people. The minute that Moses heard this, he knew it was not workable, nor was it in keeping with what he had grown to understand about God's goodness. But Moses also knew that this was a long game, not so easily reconcilable. Pleading to God several times before what we hear this morning, Moses is slowly making the case for the people for mercy, reminding God of God's own capacity. It was mercy that Moses needed too, for his life was wrapped up in theirs. Their fate was his own. It was God's own. He knew that. If God would not go with them, they should just stop where they were and call it good enough. They needed the assurance of God's presence with them. Moses needed the assurance of God's presence with them. So knowing this, he directly asked God, reveal yourself. Because perhaps then Moses could know the ground upon which he stood was still holy and firm, and certain. Even this one who quite literally had a direct line to the divine, the most assurance to give, even he needed to pause and ask the question, are you with us, God? If so, can you show yourself, please? I love that Moses asked this question of God that he is willing to ask this of God when sometimes in the midst of deep uncertainty, it's easier just to turn to one another than it is to to demand it directly from the source. It seems to me to mirror the question that his Hebrew community was asking one another at the base of Mount Sinai. Where was this Moses who had delayed so long on the mountain? And what about his God? Are they with us? How can we be sure? In the vacuum of impatience and the need for certain certainty, they had filled in their own answers. Sometimes these can be helpful, like when we show up and listen, or accompany even when we don't have certainty. But other times, we create our own idols. Like when we promise what is not ours to promise or give easy answers that only serve to make ourselves feel better. Sometimes we wonder how, with everything they had experienced in their wilderness journey up to this point, the people had grown so impatient as to have felt the need to fashion these gods for themselves. But I think we understand better than we'd like to admit. We understand what it is to need a certain and tangible presence in a time when everything feels completely upended. The habits we hold in these times are understandably for self-preservation. And so we are easily most comforted by the certainties others are willing to give us. Who is to blame? Who do we trust? Who do we not trust? How do we make ourselves feel safe again? 
but often we know these only tell part of a story, reveal part of a more complex reality, and more often than not, function to separate us further from ourselves, from one another, and from the life that God means for this world. So what do we do when it's all that we want for ourselves and all that we want for this world for God to just show up and to show God's face in some tangible way that relieves the suffering and celebrates joy or delivers justice or offers assurance that we do not go this way alone? What do we do? I think one thing we know about God is that this relationship is sure enough that we ask God directly, just as Moses did. Are you with us, God? And if so, can you show yourself, please? We do this on our own as we stand and scream into the night sky, or with one another as we cradle a loved one who has suffered for too long, or in concert with many as we gather in vigil to pray to our one God with the language of many faiths for justice, for peace, for presence. But when we do this, we should also know that we cannot expect to get exactly what we ask. Moses did not. A chaplain friend of mine says that it is most often the case in his experience that he cannot see God's hand clearly in the moment, but only later realizes the fingerprints of God all over the place. I wonder if this is another way to think of the backside of God that is revealed to Moses, the part that we take in when we can finally attend to where goodness and mercy and love and faithfulness have shown up. The stories after the fact, the realizations when we go back over it again in our minds or allow others to gently point us to, even though God was right there in the midst the whole time. For we know that God is in the midst of utter terror God is in the depths of total sorrow. God is in the long hours of uncertainty. The wisdom we can take from Moses pleading before God and from so many other scriptures along the way in which God reveals God's self to Abraham and Hagar, to Moses and Isaiah, to Jeremiah, and of course to the disciples, is that the mystery of God remains intact. The fullness of God was something that could not be fully grasped even when embodied as Jesus, when God stood before the people of his day and invited them to follow, to see as best they could the goodness and mercy, the love and faithfulness that were revealed. Even then, the disciples were not certain but certainty has never been a condition of the relationship with God. Sometimes it took others to point to it. Sometimes it took the tangibles of bread and water and wine. Always, though, 
God kept at it. Friends, what we can expect is that God is not going to show up exactly as we ask or as we want, but what we can expect is that God is present, revealing God's self in justice, in mercy, in love, in steadfastness, even with and in spite of the heavy weight of our impatience. God persists to love us with a fierceness of one whom we know will never forsake. Alongside asking for God's presence to be revealed, then, is the invitation to practice attending to those fingerprints. And this is a discipline. It is something we have to practice to encourage in one another. It is something we are called to keep up even when we are dissuaded and discouraged and desolate. Those 30-some-odd pastors who showed up weary and worn last week were invited into several such practices, including a time of deep listening, drawn from the spiritual practices developed centuries ago by St. Ignatius, as he sought to find God in all things. One of the most well-known forms of these is the daily examine, which invites a careful attention to the Spirit's movements as we reflect back on the day at any point. Often this is done in the evening, but it doesn't have to be. Perhaps you have done this before, and perhaps it is new. But as we consider how to attend the fingerprints of God, I invite us, friends, to try this for a moment. We begin by placing ourselves in God's presence. Let us give thanks for God's great love for you, for me, and for our world. We pray for the grace to understand how God is acting in and around us now. So as you sit here, and think over this morning, attend for a moment to the specific moments, interactions, and feelings that arise. Where in this day have you felt most acutely God's presence? Where in this day have you felt most acutely God's absence? Lift these up before God now, as together in this space of silence we ask for forgiveness where it is needed, and the strength to draw more closely to where God is revealing God's self. Amen.